0: Politics, sports, entertainment, yeah, we've got that. It's WKOK Sunrise on News Radio 1070 WKOK and WKOK.com. And thank you so much for joining us on WKOK Sunrise. Fabulous, sir. He could never be Mr. Rub Center, a great producer on the other side of the glass, making everything happen. He's why our interview uh, will be posted on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and so on, shortly after our interview is uh, completed. Back in the studio with us now, Dr. Anthony Raguse is here from Evangelical Community Hospital. He's from Psychology of Evangelical, and, he, and he's been talking to us for years, even before the pandemic, about suicide rates that were going up. Then during the pandemic, two or three times, to make sure that we checked in and talked about uh, how folks were coping. He, uh, at one point, encouraged us to accentuate the bright side, sort of the silver lining, to make sure we do look at the fact that the pandemic brought some things that uh, really uh, made our lives 1% easier amidst all the toughness that. We we were fighting. Most recently, uh, he's talked about the silent shortage, uh, inability to uh, find enough psychiatrists in the world. And so uh, we're going to talk about some of these uh, topics. But I'm very glad to welcome back to our studios, Dr. Anthony Ragusia. Welcome back, sir.
1: Oh, thank you very much for having me, Mark. I'm always happy to be here.
0: I really do appreciate you coming in. Glad you're here in person. We kept on interviewing. I was at your office in 2019. Then May of 2020, I said, oh, we're right in the middle of the pandemic three months into it.
1: I, I know. It, it feels like we've been doing this forever, and uh, I'm glad to be back here in person and be able to see your smiling face for once in a while.
0: Well, we uh, don't have the tent either. We had Joe McCranahan in an oxygen-infused tent for a time, but we took that down too, so we're, <laughs> we're good to go and back in person. All right, well, let's talk about most recently one of the remarks that you had to say in local newspaper's daily item and Milton Standard if folks want to read these. The silent shortage, a lack of psychiatrists, if you know anybody associated with human services, you know that this is a real thing. But uh, tell us about uh, the dilemma and a solution.
1: Yeah, so, so we call it the silent shortage because um, the, the lack of access to psychiatric care is a problem that many people don't know about because the people most affected by it are people who don't generally have a loud voice to talk about it. I'm talking about people who struggle with mental health problems. As a group, as a population, uh, folks with serious mental health problems are people who generally don't have a lot of power in society, um, and oftentimes they feel stigmatized and uh, like their problems and concerns are discounted. Um, They may even feel blamed for their own problems. And so as a result, they tend to not speak up and we tend to not pay much attention uh, to their needs in a way that's different from, let's say, people who suffer from other diseases like, let's say, cancer, uh, which gets a lot of attention. Um, So the silent shortage refers specifically to psychiatrists because psychiatrists are the the mental health professionals that we are seeing the the biggest drop in their numbers nationwide uh, compared to other mental health professionals. Uh, Many people ask me, what's the difference between a psychologist like myself and a psychiatrist? Psychiatrists go to medical school. They learn how to treat mental health problems using medical intervention. So, most typically that involves medications. Whereas psychologists don't go to medical school, we go to graduate school, we study human behavior and human psychology entirely. Um, but there is a group of psychologists, including myself, um, who have some additional training in the form of an additional uh, postdoctoral master's degree in clinical psychopharmacology, uh, which is part of the training basis that would permit uh, psychologists who have that training to then prescribe psychotropic medications as psychiatrists do in Pennsylvania. Um, And that's an idea that's being proposed right now in uh, the Pennsylvania House in the form of House Bill number 2607. Uh, 2607 is sponsored by Representative Wendy Thomas, uh, who is a Republican. We have, at this point, 42 co-sponsors on that bill. Uh, It is a bipartisan bill, very much so between Democrats and Republicans, because both sides of the aisle recognize how important it is to increase access to mental health services in the state. And
0: if you're not familiar with this, an acute shortage of psychiatry is borne out where? I mean, I, I, have, I just happen to know people who work in human services, so I know, you know, we lost our psychiatrist, or, you know, we were at Geisinger, and, and there's no psychiatrist available X time.
1: Right, exactly. That's certainly my experience, and you'd think that as, as the psychologist at Evangelical Hospital that I would have like an inside track to being able to get people to see psychiatrists, and I just don't, um, not at Geisinger, not locally. Um, I don't really have uh, anyone to refer to locally when I have a patient who really has a need. So typically what we do is we rely on primary care physicians to prescribe the overwhelming bulk of psychotropic medications, not just here in the valley, but nationwide this is true. Uh, We turn to primary care docs and the problem with that is that primary care physicians, they go to medical school but by and large most do not get specialized training in medical Mental health issues or in prescribing mental health-related medications. So many of them are comfortable prescribing a couple of different psychotropics, like certain antidepressants, let's say. Um, but there are a whole lot of medications that they don't have much experience in, aren't comfortable prescribing, um, and that means that, that many patients have trouble getting access to medications that they need.
0: Right. And I know for uh, individuals who end up uh, uh, sort of uh, psychiatrically needy and do see a psychiatrist, it isn't just a, like a, an MD that can prescribe an antibiotic and chances are the infection goes away. Uh, a s- psychiatrist likes to see and re-see and uh, so that you get a sequence of counseling. It's, it's, not, it's just the opposite of prescribe and forget. It's prescribe and follow up, follow up.
1: Ideally, that's how you want to do it for sure. You want to have a long term relationship with a patient. You can follow them over time because oftentimes it's very hard to diagnose mental health problems and you have to really get to know someone well uh, over time to feel really confident in your diagnosis and yet the current model that we commonly see nowadays is that a patient who needs to see a psychiatrist goes in to see one. The psychiatrist sees them maybe once, does an initial interview, makes a recommendation for medication and then sends that impression, that initial report to the primary care physician for follow-up. So, so it's actually the primary care physician that's continuing to do the mm. follow-up. Even though the psychiatrist did see the patient, they only saw them maybe one time, maybe twice. Um, and, and generally speaking, that's just not enough in my experience when working with uh, a serious mental health problems. And I think most psychiatrists would agree with that. This is not a, 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 a situation that, that they support uh, or think is a good way of doing things. It's just that there aren't enough of them to meet the demand. And that's where psychologists are trying to step up and be part of the solution to the problem. This is something that we've been doing for almost 30 years now, just not in Pennsylvania. We've been doing in other states like New Mexico, Louisiana, Illinois, Iowa, Idaho, all branches of the military, Okay, Indian reservations. Um, psychologists who have special additional training are permitted to prescribe certain psychotropic medications.
0: Do we know where our local representatives and senators stand on this?
1: Um, I, I know where certain ones are. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and we don't have a Senate version of the bill uh, yet this session. We will. Our plan is to introduce one next session uh, in the Senate. So right now we only have a, a House bill. Um, but uh, our, our local rep uh, has been supportive of it.
0: All right, fantastic. Uh, we're talking about the silent shortage, a shortage of psychiatrists with Dr. Anthony Raguse, a psychologist at Evangelical Community Hospital. Uh, let's start to reflect on the pandemic. Boy, I interviewed you, what, you know, what was it, back in 2019, said we were in the middle of it. So obviously, uh, to use your words, that middle was huge. It's been two years right. of middle. So thank you for that's That's a nice... We're ad.
1: also in the middle of the universe, yeah. you know, the age of the universe. <laughs> right. <coughs> very long. We're still in the middle of it.
0: Yeah, we, we have plane problems. We just don't understand the plane that we're dealing on here, dealing with. Okay. Uh, So pandemic, a lot of folks still wound up. Anxiety is still high. I think depression is still kind of knocking at the door for a lot of folks.
1: Absolutely. Um, So, uh, you know, as you were pointing out uh, a minute ago on the radio, uh, uh, numbers locally may be down, but we are definitely not out of this pandemic. Um, And people I know are, are saying how sick they are of it. And some of my patients say, I don't know if this is ever going to end Um, And what I try to remind them is that that, uh, this is not without historical uh, precedent. Uh, The uh, Spanish flu uh, that uh, is the origin of the flu that we have today, that we still experience annually, that flu never went away. But when it was a big problem, it was a big problem that lasted for several years through waves. Sort of similar to what we've been experiencing uh, with, uh, with COVID. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if this continues for a few more years in waves. Uh, but we don't really don't know. No one knows. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. So, so in some ways, things are getting back to normal. People are, are frustrated. They're tired. They're fed up uh, with living under restrictions. Uh, as a psychologist, I totally understand that feeling. Epidemiologists, it drives them crazy because because they understand that, that the best way to fight a pandemic is if we all work together and do the same things to protect ourselves and each other. But as a psychologist, I know that that's hard to ask of human beings for a long period of time. So people are going back to normal in a lot of ways, but the, the mental health consequences of the pandemic um, are ongoing, and my prediction is that they will continue uh, to be uh, measurable, visible for years to come.
0: And you have talked about solutions on this show, because we're gonna take a break here in a moment. So I wanna get back to this a little bit, but let's get the solution part out, or or not the solution, but sort of the self-care part exercise fresh air doing something new kind of reiterate getting enough sleep these kind of things
1: well i always recommend starting with the basics and and many people will kind of downplay that is saying well what's so important i mean i've got bigger problems than than sleep or whatever but um the as a psychologist i know that uh if you're not taking care of the fundamentals uh how well you're eating sleeping taking care of yourself are you smoking are you drinking too much um are you socializing Do have a good social support system, if those fundamentals aren't taken care of, it makes it hard to deal with all kinds of other stressors. It makes everything worse. So I, I do recommend that, but there are bigger solutions that we need to discussed. All right, we're
0: going to focus on those when we do come back. Uh, we'll talk about one thing you told us a couple of years ago. There are some silver linings in here, and make sure you don't just overlook those. So you mentioned in particular the uh, working from home from your office uh, made you possible for you to see more people, you know, no mm-hmm. commute, no sort of the office uh, mm-hmm. clatter that goes along with it. I talked to in the same interview about wearing jeans to work every day, <laughs> so that was the bright side. <laughs> so hey, we'll, we'll find the silver lining where we can. Yep. All right, we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Anthony Ragusia, psychology of Evangelical from Evangelical Community Hospital in Lewisburg. When we come back at 7:40. Thanks for waking up with WKOK Sunrise on News Radio 1070, WKOK and WKOK.com. Thank you so much for joining us again. We thank Rob Center, our producer, takes great care of us, makes sure the podcast gets posted, and he is uh, monitoring the show, taking fantastic uh, professional care of us, so we appreciate that. In the studio with us now, Dr. Anthony Ragusi he is here, psychology of Evangelical. He comes to us from Evangelical Community Hospital. He's been here in years past, and we've gone up to evan and then we did us about two years worth of telephone interviews to do our updates about the pandemic and under other mental health concerns but today he's back in the studio and glad to be here he likes to see my smiling face he's, i do <laughs> you, you, see, you said that every time that you come in here so i appreciate that thank you yeah and great to see you all right we're right in the middle of our conversation about the uh, pandemic again uh, i talked about the, the there is a bright side to this A uh, you know, if focus on the silver linings, and you were talking about things that we can do, getting enough sleep and getting outdoors, these solutions.
1: Right, so so those fundamentals of self-care are are the bedrock of of self-improvement, but we do need to be doing things on on a a grander scale. Of course, Um, uh, we know that uh, part of of what's been so stressful for people are are the big upheavals that have come with the pandemic. So uh, uh, upheavals in school, upheavals in uh, uh, employment uh, opportunities, And, uh, and those things do cause a lot of stress for a lot of people, um, and I anticipate, uh, like I said, that we're going to be feeling the effects of this for for years. Um, uh, but uh, so, what can we do? That's that's above and beyond the self-care. Well, we need to be thinking about these bigger systemic kinds of issues. We know that um, that kids and teens, for example, have really suffered disproportionately through the pandemic uh, because of uh, uh, of greater. Social isolation uh, as a result of uh, of doing school online, Uh, school online was also a pretty negative experience for many teens. Although I should acknowledge that some of my uh, patients uh, were kids who did a lot of online school. They really preferred it (laughs) and and seemed to really thrive uh, in in the online school environment. Um, So I don't want to ignore that fact. Uh, You know, uh, uh, everybody's different, right? Uh, But in general, speaking in general, uh, kids and teens have really suffered as a result of all the changes happening in school. And that is manifesting in increases in rates of anxiety and depression and even uh, in suicide attempts in uh, youth over the last couple of years. Um, We need to be doing more to uh, pay attention to what our kids and adolescents are struggling with. Uh, I think because they're kids, we tend to assume that they're going to be okay. Kids bounce back from things real quick. You know, they're flexible, they'll be all right. Uh, and, you know, many will, uh, but, uh, but many will not. And, uh, and adults sometimes forget that point. Um, we need to be tuning into how our, our teenagers and our kids are doing, asking them how they're doing, monitoring their behavior, noticing, uh, are, are they showing signs of stress? Um, are their are there, are there, uh, patterns or behavior patterns becoming concerning in some way? Um, and we need to be trying to do what we can to, to bring more support. Um, there's an influx of, of, of dollars coming into the school districts across the state from uh, Wolf Administration. My understanding is that Harrisburg School District is taking a lot of the money that they're getting and putting it just into hiring mental health counselors, uh, which speaks to the, the importance of that issue uh, we, across the uh, school districts, across the state. Um, we do not have enough mental health supports within school systems f- to help kids. And the complexities of
0: adolescent are harder to navigate. Now I I think I hear that thing.
1: It's harder to be teen. Uh, t- teenagers it's always been hard to be a teen uh, but, uh, but we've fa- managed to come up with some new creative ways to make it even harder for them uh, by keeping them socially isolated uh, at a time in their lives where social relationships peer relationships are just objectively more important than maybe at any other part in our life as, as humans um, and we're taking them and basically putting them in solitary confinement um, that's a terrible thing to do to a person uh, and we're seeing that reflected in uh, rates of, of depression. There was a recent uh, report done by the Annie E. Casey Foundation, which studies uh, uh, child well-being be- well across the whole country. They found that, uh, that, that across a uh, 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 commonwealth, uh, that one in every 12 high schoolers reports attempting suicide over the last year.
0: Attempting
1: Right. Attempting suicide. That's right. Um, uh, so that can look like different things. Uh, 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 that, c- that can cover a wide range of, of maybe less serious versus more serious kinds of attempts. But really, you know, that, that's that's besides the point. It's, it's, it's the fact that kids are feeling like death is the only way to escape whatever suffering that they're experiencing. That's what really is concerning. Um, and it tells us that we really need to be doing more to support them. Uh, not just in the provision of mental health services, but just in meeting their their needs, um, their social needs, helping to make sure that they're connecting with their peers, uh, making sure that they get enough sleep. You know, uh, uh, this this issue got attention a few years ago when the uh, Pennsylvania government published a report on this issue, and it recommended that we start uh, school days a lot earlier than we typically do for uh, secondary schools. Um, and that's because of clearly understood data that shows that adolescents need to sleep differently than anybody else. Their their sleep system shifts later so that they fall asleep later, and they wake up later, and they need more hours of sleep than anybody else. And yet, what do we do to them during the adolescent years? We make them get up super early so that they can make sure that they're attending their their sports event or their their band event. Um, We make them stay super late to attend their sports event or their music event or whatever it is, and we work them to death throughout the day, um, and we don't give them enough chance to sleep.
0: Well, and I notice that the universities around here, the students left to their own devices gravitate towards staying up late, 12, 1, 2, 3 o'clock, working and meeting. You'll see students that schedule a class meeting at midnight, you know, at a facility or at a hall or at some location. And then, uh, but of course, if you have an 8 o'clock class, then, you know, that's you, you pay the price for lack of sleep on that, but left to their own devices, the they'll, they'll sleep from... 4 to noon or so, you know, and, and that's a good cycle.
1: And adolescents need more sleep than anybody else, and when they don't get it, what what research shows us is that it definitely leads to higher rates of problems with depression, anxiety, obesity, other health problems, okay? So the, the, the consequences of not enough sleep in teenagers are really significant, and yet we just sort of take it for granted that we can just sort of work teenagers to death and they'll be okay because they're young.
0: Well, we might have been worked to death while while we were young, but we didn't have social media and drugs weren't as prolific. And uh, it seems as though some of the conflict that adolescent girls report seems like it's more vitriolic. Maybe that's the same, but uh, uh, we talked to a couple adolescent girls on this show who said, Mm -hmm. "Uh, you know, I was glad we were doing homeschooling because the blank girls, the disparity name for a certain girl at the school, didn't have access to her, couldn't harass her, couldn't say anything, couldn't comment on her race, couldn't comment on anything. So
1: Right, which speaks to yet another kind of systemic kind of problem, right? You know, it's great that, that they had that opportunity to escape that problem, but through homeschooling. On the other hand, they shouldn't have to deal with that kind of condition in the first place. So <clears throat> we also need to be paying attention to the cultures uh, uh, of our schools uh, and continuing to do what we can to promote cultures of tolerance uh, and acceptance uh, of everyone, um, because that's good for everyone's mental health.
0: Yeah, we talked to a student, turn into a grade-A student that would work ahead and do research on her own after being a struggling student or sort of, a you know, maybe a, just an average student in school. All right, I want to switch topics, do a little pivot here. Mental health has been brought up and talked about in sports. We had Olympic athletes who said that they just were struggling and, and couldn't compete. At the same time, I think at the local level, we see schools giving a emphasis to mental health and sports for their young people.
1: So uh, uh, so, I want to I acknowledge that as a clinical psychologist, I am not a sports psychologist. Sports psychologists are, are a whole other area of specialization in psychology, and I want to give them the credit that's due. Uh, they have skills and expertise uh, that is quite impressive, and, uh, uh, and, and definitely if you're someone who's uh, really struggling in sports to achieve at the level that you want to achieve, I'd consider trying to track down a sports psychologist uh, and consult with them for some help. Um, That said, uh, uh, certainly psychology and sports go together hand in glove. You might not think so because you might think sports is physical and psychology is mental. But of course, um, uh, the mental part of sports is critical to performance. Uh, If you are uh, an athlete and uh, you are experiencing an extremely high level of stress, uh, uh, worried about about how you're going to perform, worry about failure um, that's likely to impair your own performance on the other side you've got the same problem if you are under stressed so if you go into an event thinking to yourself man I got this I, I'm so good at this I don't even need to prepare like I am just the master at this whatever it is whatever sport we're talking about you're also likely to underperform because you're not taking it seriously enough you're not experiencing enough of a stress response what we have tried to encourage uh, uh, athletes to do is to is to experience stress in response to events but in a moderate way and that's the key moderation um, we want you to, to take it seriously we want you to have some amount of stress but not too much not too little and we want you to have the right mindset mindset is critical um, people can get themselves so worked up about the big tournament the big game where everything's on the line that, they, uh, cr- they uh, uh, impair uh, uh, their own performance um, uh, because they've got so much on the line, their stress level is so high. And so one of the things that sports psychologists will do is try to help athletes to think about the upcoming event in a different way, in a way that helps them to see that it's just really no different from any other game that they've ever played. Um, everyone else may see it as different, and people may make a, a big deal out of it, but it's still the same thing you're going to do do the same things that you've done a thousand times before, and you've got to remember that, that you know how to do this, and it's nothing different.
0: Well, we're just about out of time, and uh, I thank you so much for your information and your answers. Normally, when we we're recording these interviews over the past couple of years, we can go over and then I can just put the end on, uh, on line, but in this case, we're, we're definitely out of time. But thank you so much for coming down and for your answers and your insights and your assistance. Really appreciate it.
1: You're welcome, Mark. Uh, I'll come back whenever you want.
0: Dr. Anthony Ragusia, psychologist, a psychology of evangelical, host, uh, comes to us from Evangelical Community Hospital. We thank Deanna Hollenbach. Uh, nobody gets to any of the great docs there but through her. And so we very much appreciate uh, her assistance and and help. And so thank you for that. Our interview is going to be posted on the WKOK Podcast page shortly.